Hi, you're here with Helen Jane Meister from Supermarket and Retailer. I've got Aki Kaliotakis from Leadership Launchpad with me. He is a client service guru, a customer care guru, and he's going to talk to us today. Thank you, Helen. Pleasure. Thanks for being here. Um, let's start with a few questions. Um, what is customer care? You know, every single book that you pick up will probably have their own definition of customer care. So to try and pin it down is a quite a difficult thing. But I think there's a, a main theme that comes through for me, and that is that in the past we may have seen marketing as a bit of a battle, as a contest of wills between us and our customers. Um, you know, the, the belief that our customers are out there to get us, they want the best deal, they're all terrorists and so on. And to a small degree, that may have been right, but I think that the world has changed completely now. So for me, the idea of customer care and marketing generally is that it's a generous act, a generous act of helping somebody to solve a problem, okay, their problem. And it's a chance to do some good in the world. Um, if you're looking for a pure definition, yes, we can start taking a look at things like, you know, what are the things that make customers unhappy versus delighted? And then, of course, the indifferent ones in between. But at the end of the day, it's really about a sense of generosity and giving back rather than just taking. Okay, so why is it all so important? After all, isn't it a lot of effort for very little result? Absolutely. And I think from uh, our point of view, when you look at it from a managerial point of view, obviously the company benefits. So the company is more profitable, there's more customers coming in more often, less price sensitive, paying their accounts on time, things like that. Now, obviously, if your business does well, then you will do well. As the business grows, for example, there's opportunities for promotion. When the business is uh, profitable and doing well, uh, the managers tend to become more generous in terms of bonuses and things like that. But if you actually take a look at it from your point of view, what's in it for you? It's what your day-to-day -day looks like. And when you deal with customers and they're positive rather than negative, when they are thanking you rather than attacking you, then it makes your job obviously more enjoyable. There's no doubt about that. I think what's also important is that uh, when people are good with customers, it uh, gives them an opportunity to influence the customers, but also to influence people in the company. You show up as a person that has actually been um, somebody with good skills. Your interpersonal skills develop, your personality develops, and it not only affects your relationship with your customers and with your leaders, but it also affects all of your other relationships at home um, and with all of your friends and so on. Of course, dealing with customers is sometimes quite a challenge, but that also leads to improvement. So what happens is it makes your job more interesting. If you have to do the same routine thing over and over and over 300 times a day, of course, it's going to get boring. But I think what happens is if our customers challenge us, then it becomes a little bit more interesting and we can do something quite spectacular over there. Of course, there's all the good stuff about smiles being contagious and so on. But really, the bottom line is for you as a person that deals with customers all day long, the bottom line is you get to sleep better at night. When you take care of customers, you get to sleep better at night. So does customer care cost a lot? Absolutely. We need to live under no illusions over here, and I'm going to clear this up right up front. Taking care of customers is obviously more difficult than not taking care of customers. I'm going to come back to the issue of money in a little while, but let me just talk about how much effort is involved. 
I know that if you're just indifferent towards your customers and you just do the basic minimum required, obviously you'll get away with uh, you know being able to survive in your job. But it doesn't do anything spectacular over there. So at the end of the day, I think we, we need to be able to, to understand that there is something over here that uh, um, creates a, 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 an investment in the future. Perhaps that's the best way of putting it. So when you take care of customers, customers take care of the business. And in that process, the business becomes more profitable, but your day becomes a little bit better. There is a, a, an article that was published recently in the Harvard Business Review about, you know, why knowing that customer care is more profitable, why do businesses insist on not taking care of customers? Why do they not spend the money on customers? And the reality is that when we look at it from that point of view, in the short term, we do save money. There's absolutely no doubt about it. So the moment a business makes a decision that in future they're not going to deal with customers face-to-face -face, but only in a call center, when they start creating routines and processes that are for their benefit rather than the customer's benefit, in the short term, it does save money. But in the longer term, it has a very negative effect. And so I always like to see it as an investment in the future. When we take care of customers, it might require a little bit more effort. It might require a little bit more of an investment. But at the end of the day, the payback becomes much more in terms of the examples. So we always use the same examples. We trot out Disney World and Amazon. And in our country, we have some wonderful businesses that also take care of customers. And we can name them, I guess, uh, you know, businesses like Woolworths and others. But at the end of the day, in the longer term, they are more secure when they take care of customers than when they don't take care of customers. Okay, so what can people do to get customers delighted? I think that it really comes to a number of uh, different uh, things. And if you ask me for a list, and by the way, I do have a list. If you write to me or if you write to Helen, you can have a, a complete list. There are literally dozens, if not hundreds, of ideas of what you can do for your customers. Smile, greet them, say thank you, and so on and so on. So that becomes easy. But the best list in the world is always your own list. When you make a list, of what's important to you. So let's take a look at, for example, one of those areas where companies have spent a lot of money. Um, they've spent literally billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars on CRM systems. And what happens in that process uh, the CRM system, in theory, is supposed to collect information about customers, pick up patterns, and so on. The reality is, however, that they become a burden on the business. And in these days of big data, I can tell you that, uh, for example, my bank has no idea who I am. I may be with them for the better part of the last 55 odd years, but they don't know who I am. They don't acknowledge that sense of loyalty. I think uh, on uh, the occasional, rare occasion, I get a thank you from a frontline person, a teller. That you never hear from the managers. The only time you ever hear from them is if there's been an overdraft and they pick up the phone and say, when can we expect payment? The point I'm making over here, even though they have access to all this information about my birthday, my interests, what I studied and so on, they're not interested because they don't use that information. And that's a great example of, you know, spending money, throwing money at a problem and not getting any return, which is what most people think. On the other hand, if you said to me now, as you asked now, what can we do? It comes down to four basic simple things. And all of the examples that I uh, will be able to send you a list of will really fall into one or two of these categories. 
at the most uh, basic level, it is about getting the basics incredibly right. The foundation on which everything rests is, in fact, okay, all of those things that are a tremendous source of frustration to your customers. It's about keeping promises. It's about making sure that you have the right stock in place. It's about getting back to them when you promise to get back to them. So all of those things, which I like to call the dumb things relating to the, the sources of frustration for customers, we've got to be able to very proactively look at those and one by one by one take care of them. I, swear, I sometimes wonder if the, the whole idea of companies is, um, you know, they, they have a, a, a sort of a slogan that says, you know, we will never be happy until we make you completely unhappy. You know, it, it seems like they go out of their way to not take care of the customer. Okay, so that's the first level of the four levels. Get, take care of the basics. Make sure that the basics go incredibly right. At the next level, what are we doing to make it easy and effortless for our customers? And you can look at it in terms of four things. First of all, is it physically easy to do business with us? Is it physically hard to open the packaging, to reach out for certain things, to hear people on the telephone? Those are the types of things that I, make a, I think make a big difference. The uh, second thing you can look at is the intellectual or the mental effort. Sometimes things are just impossible to understand. Uh, they, you know, customers say, but what is it that you actually want over here? And they include things like instructions um, for how to do certain things. Uh, if any of you have ever had to assemble a toy at Christmas time or at any time of the year, you know how hard it is. The instructions were written by somebody who might not even have as their first language English. So from that point of view, it's just very complicated. On the other hand, if you buy Lego, literally a five-year-old child can put together a Lego. And they have just made it a lot easier intellectually with the photographs and the arrows. You just can't get it wrong. The third thing that you can look at in terms of customer effort and making it easy is the emotional effort. You see, when customers come to us, they are uh, it's not in their hands. They have to hand over to us. They hand over the, the request, and now they are starting to wonder whether, in fact, we're going to help them. So they feel quite disempowered by that. The reality is that we have to make them feel like they're a part of the process. For example, if they're struggling with something, instead of trying to point out how stupid they are, and many of our customers you know, just don't get it, but instead of pointing it out to them, it's really about saying, oh no, I also struggled with this the first time. It's about, oh no, everybody seems to have a problem with this and we really have to do something, but it, it's about making sure that they feel like they're accepted, just like you would a family member. When your child is sick, you don't hate them for the rest of their lives, you forgive them and we move on from there. And I think it's the same with our customers. And then the final thing relates to, you know, the time that is invested. Uh, it seems like our time is under a tremendous amount of pressure these days. Whether it's standing in queues to get a passport, whether it's your teacher wanting to give you feedback sessions, um, whether it's spending time in traffic waiting for things, whether it's watching a whole bunch of commercials on TV, the reality is that we seem to spend a lot of time, and you've all seen those statistics in magazines that say you probably by the time you die have spent six years in traffic jams and, and two years in a lift or waiting for a lift. Those are the kinds of things that are very frustrating for customers. And what I would like to suggest is that we there's some things that do take time, but we don't keep the customer waiting. So, for example, recently there was a stock out in one of the supermarkets I sh uh, shop at. And the reality is that they took my number and they said, don't worry, when it comes in, 
we will SMS you. And they did. It was fantastic that they were actually able to do that. It might have been that the items that I was looking for were just in the back, but it was a case of we're going to not waste your time anymore. And they took responsibility for that. That makes a big difference. Okay, so level one is getting the basics incredibly right. Level two is making it easy for our customers on a physical, intellectual, emotional, and time level, making it easy to do business with us. The third thing is the obvious one, and a lot of customer care efforts relate to this, and that is about putting relationships first, giving me evidence as your customer that I'm truly important to you as a customer rather than just a statistic. And so often companies fall into the trap of saying, well, they're all the same, all of our customers are the same, and we just give them an account number, and that's just not what we are looking for. Customers are human beings, and one of the most desperate needs that we have as human beings is to connect with other human beings. And it is things like eye contact, it is things like smiles and saying thank you and so on. It's really about what are we doing to build that relationship. Even though you may only have one or two seconds to actually build that relationship, maybe the whole transaction only lasts for a minute or two, but we can take care of those things. It's about, for example, I was recently at a, a bank in Botswana and it was hot outside it was in the northern part of Botswana. And one teller noticed an old woman who was really struggling. And she just stopped everything for a few seconds. And she said, you know, Google, I want to help you. Can I just bring you a chair? It doesn't take much, all right? You first have to notice, and then you can work from there. Now, building relationships is not a complicated thing. If you think about it, as human beings, we all have the same needs. We obviously love our families and our children. We obviously do certain things at work. We have our hobbies. These are the kinds of things that make such a difference over there. And it's really about connecting with customers. If you have nothing to talk about, then at least... Talk about the weather, you know, just something that gives me an idea that you want to have some kind of a relationship, however short. So it's not about treating every customer as a VIP and rolling out the red carpet. If we could, that would be fantastic. But it's really about doing something that just is human-to-human -human contact. And I think customers are desperate for that these days. And then at the final level, there are a whole bunch of ideas, innovations that you can use to add value for your customers. So they're not about getting the basics right. They're not about making it easy to do business. They're not about relationships. But they are things that truly add value for customers. So Sharing information, for example, that they don't normally have access to, that will be something that is good. Acknowledging certain problems that they have in their lives and saying, look, it's got nothing to do with us, but I'm going to help you anyway. That makes a big difference. Um, I know at one stage I was uh, in, a, in a hardware store and all I wanted was to repave a small part of my driveway that was cracking up. And I went to get a, a, a bag of cement and right next to it, there were a whole bunch of pamphlets from one of the cement companies. And they said, well, you know, cement is different. If you're going to build a briar, this is what you should be doing. But if you're going to be repaving your driveway, this is the mix that you need. So they added value for me in that way. Now, at a later stage, about a year later, I was building my pond at home and I literally physically built it with my hands. And I phoned the, the concrete company, the same concrete company, and I said to them, listen, this is what I'm doing. And they said, now, how many people have you got working? I said, no, it's me and a laborer. They said, no, 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 you don't understand. This is a very special mix, this concrete. We will bring it, we'll dump it in your driveway, but it's got a very short shelf life. You better go and get about 10 people and a few wheelbarrows. So you see, 
they, they could have just said, you want concrete? You want two tons of it? Sure. The order will be there at 11 o'clock in the morning. But they didn't. They actually took the trouble to say, look, we can see that you're not sure of yourself. We want to give you some advice. These are the kinds of things that make a tremendous difference. And they add a lot of value. Now I go around looking for projects where I can use concrete. I, you know, I'm now not indifferent towards that business anymore. Now they've become a partner in my life. That's awesome. So tell me, what happens when a customer gets upset? Well, this is a big one. And we obviously have got a very, very small percentage of our customers who are truly unhappy and who express their frustration. We need to obviously focus on the good guys first. And there are a lot of people, probably 99.5% of your customers are people who are positive, who are satisfied with what actually happened over there. Some of them might even be delighted. But we tend to focus on the negative ones. So something has gone wrong. It might be our fault in the company. We neglected to do something or we did something that was wrong. Or it might have nothing to do with us. But when it comes to... Dealing with these issues, I've got a lovely little formula that will help you. I call it the Lester formula, and the L-E-S-T-E-R each stands for something. Most of these will be obvious to you, but the L obviously stands for listen. Listening is one of the most honorable things that you can do to honor a customer. It's one of the most important things when somebody truly feels listened to. But when you can combine listening with the second one, E, for empathy, listening with empathy is perhaps the most powerful tool that you need in the world to deal with human beings. Whether you're looking at a leadership position, whether you're looking at taking care of customers, whether you're looking at sorting out an argument with your husband or with your wife, the reality is that this listening with empathy is what makes a big difference. Now, a lot of books talk about empathy and people say, but what is empathy? Is it the same as sympathy? The answer is no. Empathy is really about walking in your customer's shoes, but it's not enough to just say, oh, I know what it's like, because they will say, no, you don't. What you've got to be able to do is to reflect back to them, to, to share with them what you thought they are actually feeling. Now, sometimes they will let you know. They will say, I am so angry, and they'll bash the table, and their facial expression will be angry, and they will be pointing their finger and spitting all over you. The reality is you know that they are now extremely irritated. At other times, they sound uncertain. At other times, they sound very frustrated. They're sick and tired of waiting, for example. Your job is to point that out. Let me use a quick story to illustrate this. So I was at a toll road um, a little while ago, and it just so happened that there was a rugby match that just created havoc. And it took me somewhere around 35 minutes to drive through the toll road. Of course, with my luck, the car right in front of me uh, handed over a credit card, and the credit card was rejected. So now there was a further delay, and it was very frustrating. So as I drove through the toll booth, I saw a toll-free number, and I picked up the phone, and I was really ready to give them a piece of my mind. So I just let go and I just vomited out all of my frustration on this poor young lady at the other end of a line in a call center. Well, her response took the wind right out of my sails. It was impossible to continue being angry with her because in the quietest, gentlest voice, she turned around to me and she said, oh, sir, that must have been so frustrating. 
Now, in that process, it was impossible to continue being angry. You see, it was very powerful over there, the way she actually acknowledged that, hey, it's okay to be frustrated, and I see it. I know what it's like for you. And, of course, from there on, it was all over, okay? And I did make a couple of suggestions, and I said to her, you know, tell your managers that they should, you know, make some kind of a plan when people's credit cards are rejected and so on. It doesn't matter. What was important is that that, that little interaction of literally probably two minutes made me remember what a powerful little angel she was. So that's the, what empathy is. It's the, really the most incredibly powerful tool in the world, and you can get yourself out of all sorts of trouble. Now, the S and the T have related to that, but they are also um, very powerful. S is about saying sorry. Now, if we have messed up as a company, there's absolutely no argument about it. We have to apologize, okay? Having said that, I see so many companies backpedaling and not taking responsibility for mistakes that were theirs. If you take a look at ESCOM at the moment, okay, all of these power failures are really a failure of management. They didn't plan properly. And for them to backpedal and say, well, you've got to understand that we're not interested. So I think it's really about saying sorry for the things that we are at fault with. You'll find that it creates a lot of um, goodwill when, when we do apologize. But what about saying sorry for things that are about not your fault? It might have been a colleague of yours that let them down. It might have done, had nothing to do with you. Now, this is where those words, I am sorry, are so powerful again. They open up all sorts of doors. And I think the reality is the customer will hear the words, I'm sorry. I don't want you to say, I'm sorry, I'm the worst employee in the world. I'm sorry, we are the worst company in the world. That's obviously inappropriate, okay? But if you say something like, oh, I'm sorry that it's come to this. I'm sorry that we have to take the time to sort you out now. I'm sorry that we have to, you have to deal with me on this matter. It really makes a big difference, and it could be the thing that turns it all around. The T is also similar. The T is about saying thank you, thanking them for bringing this to your attention. And once again, um, it might be an optional one, but I think that it's also so powerful and makes such a difference. It's really about saying, gee, thank you very much for bringing this to my attention. We weren't even aware as a business this was going wrong. Or something like, you know, thank you for pointing this out to me. I'm going to let my boss know immediately. But saying thank you can, again, make a big difference. It might be the thing that tips it all in your favor. Now, once the customer is calm, and you might have to repeat the cycle of L-E-S-T a few times. Listen, empathize, say sorry, and thank you. But eventually, the customer will give you some obvious clues that they are calm and rational again. And they are things like their facial expression. They stop shouting. They stop swearing. They stop spitting at you, waving their fist, bashing the counter. All of those things are obvious clues that they are feeling much better now. With a bit of luck, they might even turn around and say something like, I'm, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to take it out on you. But now you know that they are calm. And because they are calm, they can now listen to you. And that's where the E and the R come in. The E stands for explain. Now, do I want you to explain what went wrong? Not necessarily, because some customers see that as making excuses. When you start explaining what went wrong in the business and you know how this all led to this uh, unhappy situation, they might just see it as making excuses and they're not interested. If they ask, ask for an explanation, by all means, give it. But if they don't ask, explain what it is that you can do. Take them from the situation that in the past that made them so upset and look to the future. So what you typically do is you explain what you can do. And if you can give them a couple of choices, that is very empowering for them. So if you can say, okay, I'll tell you what I can do to fix this now. We can either do A or we can do or we can do A or we can do B or we can do C. Now, 
The reality is that most of them are probably going to choose A because that is the, the logical choice. But by giving them the choice of B and C, you are re-empowering them. You're saying to them, hey, we're in this together. We are partners. And I'd like you to choose the way you'd like this sorted out. And I think that's where the good stuff actually happens. And that then brings us to the final part, the R part, which is to rectify the problem. You've got to respond with a win-win solution. Now, some problems are easily sorted out. You will be able to say, I'm terribly sorry. I'm taking your meal right back to the kitchen right now. And in five minutes, I'm going to give you another one. Okay, that's easy to solve. Others might take time, and what you will do is you will obviously get back to them and keep informing them until the problem has been resolved in their eyes. But there's also a third possibility, and the third possibility is that it's impossible to take it back. They're unhappy about something, and it's impossible for you to actually fix it. This is where we have to start doing reimbursements and making them feel better. And by the way, Helen, on this particular one, okay, I don't want you to start giving away weekends at Sun City for the family. But the point is you don't have to spend money to have the same effect. You can still have your customers positive by the way you actually handle the situation. A refund is sometimes important so that they don't feel ripped off. But at the end of the day, something spectacular can happen over there. And the nice thing is that the most loyal of loyal customers even more loyal than your, your classic um, sort of uh, delighted customer are the ex-unhappy customers because what you've done is you've built their confidence in your business. They will say something, something like, hmm, you know, if I went to the other place, I don't know if they'd overreact to this problem like these guys did. So let me quickly summarize it in the few seconds remaining to us. Lester, listen, empathize, say how sorry you are, Thank them for bringing this to your attention. And then when they are calm, and only when they are calm, explain what you can do to fix it up and then rectify with a win-win situation. Aki, thank you so much for being here. It's a delight as always. Um, if you want that list from Aki, you can contact him, Aki, A-K-I, at leadershiplaunchpad.co.za or you can contact myself and I'd for, I'll forward your request to him. It's Helen, H-E-L-E-N, at supermarket.co.za. Aki, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.